0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Inside OSU. I'm Dr. Kenneth Sewell, Vice President for Research here at OSU. Our scientists and scholars at OSU are conducting cutting-edge research in a wide array of fields, placing OSU among the nation's top tier of research universities. Even still, our amazing research can be hard for the public to know about on an everyday basis, as it's not quite as visible as OSU's highly ranked degree programs or championship athletic teams. This episode of Inside OSU is going to raise the veil on at least one research area I think you'll find fascinating. In today's podcast, you'll sit in on a recent OSU Research on Tap event, a monthly interview show I host at Stillwater's Iron Monk Brewery. In this episode, my guest is Dr. Mark Perry from the Michael and Ann Greenwood School of Music. Dr. Perry's expertise is wide-ranging, from specific composers from Spain and Latin America, To the roots and cultural importance of modern electronic dance music. Our conversation focuses on the history and cultural meaning of two national dances from the Catalonian region of Spain. Let's join the interview.
1: So musicology is the study of music. It's not necessarily the performance of the music, but the, the study of music. And initially, in the early days, musicology focused on music as an object. But today we look at music in its entirety within society—the musicians, the audience, and and the historical past. Ethnomusicology is a subfield, and it sometimes is known as the anthropology of music. And so it's looking at music uh, sort of through the lens of anthropology. And uh, you know, many many cases, uh, ethnomusicologists are anthropologists or graduate from anthropology programs. So. In graduate school, I took classes in both anthropology and musicology. So.
0: Now, so from a historical perspective or an anthropological perspective, are you studying the impact of culture or history on music or vice versa, the impact of music on culture and history?
1: It's both. It's both. So it's looking at both how music impacts society but how, how music and how society impacts music. So it goes both ways.
0: Now, in a minute, we're going to get into this national dance thing because I'm going to have to figure out what that is uh, and why Spain or Catalonia, the area of Spain, has two of these things. And As far as I can tell, I'm not sure that we have even one here in the U.S. But first, <laughs> I want to get a picture of, of how you go about doing this research as a, as a musicologist. As... So, so when I'm doing work in ethnomusicology, I, I go out
1: and conduct fieldwork. Which means going. My area of specialty is the the Catalan-speaking region of Spain, so it involves me going out there for long periods of time. I mean, now that they're months or two months or three months, but before you know, it would be a year or so. And uh, and then that's also my uh, actually my first two degrees are from Spain, so I spent I spent a lo- uh, quite a bit of time there. Uh, so it, go, it Basically, it means being a participant in the culture that I'm studying. So it, uh, depending on what aspect of Catalan culture I'm looking at, I'm inserting myself within the culture and uh, participating.
0: And so, in many, many instances, that means learning the language, yeah. or, and you, were, you certainly did that, yeah. but it, from a musical standpoint, does that mean to some extent learning the, yeah, the okay. musical language of yeah. the
1: culture? so sometimes in, in the field of ethnomusicology, it's known as bi-musicality or multi-musicality. So one of the things that you do is you learn to play the music, the musical instruments of that particular culture. So when I was living in Spain, um, I studied flamenco guitar. Even though flamenco is more of a, a, uh, a music of the southern part of Spain, but uh, lots of um, uh, Spaniards from the south moved to Barcelona and that that region and brought with them uh, flamenco music. So I learned to play flamenco, and then I also studied uh, classical guitar, and then. When I studied dance, it meant actually going out and learning how to, to do the dances and participating in those dances. Okay.
0: Now, what constitutes a national dance? Okay, what consti- what,
1: what, what, what is that? Well, so, uh, I mean, Ca- we have a
0: national song. We have, it's, it, we're well, talking yeah. about something officially right, right. named by the government to be the national? Mm, no,
1: this is, it, it's, uh, well, yes and no. Okay. So, this region of, of Spain, the, uh, Catalonia, they want, to, Many, I'm not saying all, but many want to separate um, and become an independent nation. And so these dances are sort of markers of identity that, that sort of are clearly marking themselves as being different from the rest of Spain. Spain's extremely a diverse uh, country, so the, the dances I've been looking at are ones that the Catalan people themselves uh, see as very important to, to dance. And uh, and recognize it as being a national dance. So um, in, in the area of dance, there's uh, the text. There, the text isn't that important because uh, it's it's dance music. But other songs where where they carry a text, it's,
0: it the, being in Catalan is very important. Yeah. Being in the language of Katalan, being in Catalan. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So does a national dance serve a different purpose as, as an as an expression than? Dance does in general, or is it only a matter of degree in some way? Well, these dances
1: probably—this is just a, a guess—but probably wouldn't be around today if they, if they weren't tied to nationalism. To nationalism. Yeah. So, yeah. so it's the fact that you danced it is basically—it's a—it's uh, an outward statement that you are Catalan and and not Castilian. And and part of it was during the dictatorship, the Franco dictatorship. The dancing Franco and his dictatorship didn't see the dancing of these traditional dances as being a, any threat to the to the nation uh, of, of Spain, uh, and so that was about one, one of the only ways that one could could be Catalan outwardly was to dance it because there was periods of time when the Catalan language was forbidden to be spoken or printed, so uh, these dances were one way that you could go out into the general public and say I'm a Catalan, and and so. And even after the dictatorship, uh, it, it continues to be important, a sort of marker of identity, although more for the older generation than the younger generation. Gotcha.
0: Yeah. So describe describe these dances. I mean, they, they're two two particular ones. Okay.
1: So one is is today is still a dance, but the other one uh, that I that I studied is it's called a castel. A castel. And uh, it's I think none of us in this room, myself included, would, would call it a dance anymore, but it started off being a dance. And so the castel. It literally means sort of castle, but we usually translate it as human tower, and uh, it's it's basically uh, you have very large people at the very bottom, and they, they they create what's called a piña, which is pineapple, and then they they get on each other's shoulders, and they tend to be a little bit larger people, and then they, as they get up, they're teenagers, and at the very top there's usually about you know three eight year olds or you know really young kids, usually a little young girl, but in its early history. Uh, before the castel, it was a dance that uh, men would uh, do, and they would create these these castles, and you know, sort of almost like a, like a circus, and it would, they would move around. It was, a, you know, they would create these castles of maybe two stories or three stories tall, but it could move around. And as it got be- so big, it you know now it's you know it's five or six stories tall, and. Uh, and you can't dance when you have that many people. A so hard it, to move yeah, around so and it's, not drop people. But that's actually in, in my current research. That is tends to be the most uh, emblematic of Catalan identity now. Uh, Whenever you ever go to a, a major sort of festival or uh, that expresses Catalan identity, it's usually the castells. Then the other dance is the sardana, which is a round dance, and and traditionally it should be danced man, woman, man, woman, man, woman. And the fact that they dance it in a circle holding hands, it, it represents solidarity uh, and also, um, you know, equality among the sexes, uh, um, equality among those who dance it. And uh, it's a circle dance. What's really interesting, uh, if you go, they still dance this in Barcelona and other parts. They will, uh, if you go to the, uh, a public dance of the Sardana, people will drop, like if you had a purse, you'd put it in the middle and it's perfect because it, it's the focal point, so the circle, when you're dancing, it, you're going a perfect circle, but also you can watch your, your purse. I've even, seen, I've even seen people put their dogs, and the dog will just sit there, and, and, uh, but it's, uh, it's still, um, and it has two sort of dance steps. Uh, they call them kurz and yargs. Uh, kurz is short, yarg is long, and depending on uh, which section of the dance, you either raise your hands up, Or you lower your hands. I know that doesn't seem like a big deal to us, but but if you raise your arms in the wrong place, that's not uh, that's not good thing. In fact, there's there's books. There was actually a book uh, published on whether you should have your arms lowered or 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 lowered or raised during this this dance in different parts.
0: An entire book published on that. (laughs) It's a (laughs) thin book. Those those who aren't part of uh, OSU might Mm -hmm. ask if someone got tenured based on that. No, 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 no. No, but I do, I do have that book. I, I think I have, the, for the state of
1: Oklahoma, I might have the, the most books on the Sardana. Yeah, I, yeah, that yeah. may be true. Yeah.
0: So what is the, the relationship between these dances to music? You mentioned, I mean, the, the Castella may, may not even be recognizable for many of us as thinking what a dance typically right. is. But there's still music associated yes. here. What, yeah. what is their connectedness
1: to music? So, so what's really interesting about the Castella, if you ever get a chance, and if you ever traveled to Catalonia uh, you'll, if you see some festivities, you'll, you might see this castel, but, but they only play one melody. The whole repertoire for, for building castells they only play one melody, and it's called Toc de Castell. Talk is melody. And, uh, and basically, its purpose is to tell the people building the castell where they are in the building stage. Because if you're just think about it, you, know, you have um, you know, three or four stories of people above you. The last thing you can do is look up and then have it come down on you. Or, you know, if, if you're struggling, but you know that you just have a little more to go, you can, you can do it. And so the, the melodies are basically saying, here, we're on the first story, the second, and, and then it's sort of like a rodeo. Uh, the little girl will do this, and it will, they will signal that they've done it. So and, this is
0: with the melody itself, mm-hmm. is not, not lyrics or no No, lyrics, no
1: lyrics. Just a, it's a graia, which is an oboe, and then snare drums. And uh, there are lots of graia so it's very loud. And each of the uh, Castel builders bring their own musicians. So, so uh, they
0: really are in communication. Yeah, they're very in communication. Because right,
1: right. so it's, it's very important. And then when you build the Castel, uh, for it to be c- considered successful, you actually have to disassemble it without it crashing down as well. And so there's, the music plays a role in, in that. in motivating, but also allowing people to
0: know where the stages are. So and much of dance as we typically engage in, a, in in this culture we're dancing to music right and in many ways this is a dance that the music is to it somehow. right it, yeah. so that was what I found
1: fascinating was the, the fact that the music is in, re, is in response to what they're doing out there the other way around so the uh, so it's it's exactly as you stated yeah, it's the opposite of what we think and then
0: and the Sardana the, very different though. the
1: Sardana what's what are, what's interesting about the Sardana it, and uh, it's in two parts the courts and yards. There are two sections. And remember, you have to know which one to, you know, your hands raised or lowered. But you also have to know exactly how many measures each of those sections are. So when you're dancing, you're going one, two, three, four, and, you know, can go up to a really high number. And, and then, the second time you repeat it, based on that number that you counted, you, d- you apply this mathematical formula and then you end on the right, the right foot in the right place. And so it's uh, it's a, it's actually quite complicated. Uh, and so, you always know when you, when you see somebody when you see people dancing the sardana, there's usually one person that actually counts it out. Will actually you know probably shout out you know this is how many measures there were. So it's the only dance that I know of where you actually have to count the
0: number of measures in the music. So does it have to be a particular? Song or a particular structure of a song to to support it. It's just the number of measures. It just the the sardana
1: has a typical rhythm to it, but what you're counting are it can be
0: the melody of of what's being played. Yeah. In the
1: the, the early days, sometimes they would take traditional or or operatic melodies and turn it into a sardana. And today, people still compose sardanas, original sardanas, not as not as often as they once did. Yeah. Okay.
0: So you, you you mentioned that. One of these dances is still very much in in play, and the other n- maybe not so much. But they're t- both. Well, tell yeah. tell us how about that that identity piece, because being Catalonian is not quite as suppressed. It still has its. Um, oh, it's not suppressed at all Well, yeah. well, yeah. well that's, no. I, I take that back. There, maybe they're, they're, a little bit. But yeah, the yeah. president
1: is outside maybe the, of the president country, <laughs> <like it. laughs> and there's some people in prison now. But uh, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know what's interesting when I go back, you know, when I when I. Did my research many many years ago in the late eighties early nineties there was a, a the the catalan flag was was common it's it 's yellow with the the four red stripes but now you see the the one that has the the blue star on it and when I was in the late eighties early nineties that was very taboo that was like almost not terrorist but it was associated with a, a you know spain you know had had its issues with terrorism and uh and that was sort of taboo but now if you go to barcelona it's you'll see that flag everywhere in fact i have 10 issues that have that 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 uh, catalan flag the, the separatist flag on it and actually if you go into my office you'll see a separatist flag in my office as well
0: so there so there are other ways for catalonian people to kind of express their national yeah. aspirations and, and, and yeah. identity
1: right the primary is language and so, primary So yeah so now oftentimes when i go to, to barcelona or any other of the Catalan-speaking regions, um, I will come back not speaking any Spanish. I could go the whole time there uh, just speaking Catalan. The
0: University of Barcelona is completely Catalonian, is it not? Well,
1: n- not. N- I would say ninety-nine percent. I mean, I mean the,
0: the
1: the classroom language. It should is, be is supposed uh, to be. Uh, I mean, uh, for the most part. I mean, all my classes were always in Catalan when I was there. Uh, but so now, I mean, the the Catalan language is very dominant. Uh, and so if you if you want to be a uh, an employee of the government you have to you have to demonstrate that you have a competency in Catalan.
0: So it's almost so, the opposite. So does, do, these, do these dances then risk being, yeah my parents used to do this. Yeah, yeah. So, they, so how, how, how are they staying
1: alive? That, that's one that's one of the things I'm studying. This is actually a very long period of research that I'm doing because you know it's it's basically my research started in the late 80s and I periodically I go back and the last time I went back it was a couple years ago and I I noticed that, one, I had a hard time finding uh, dancing of the Sardana. Part of it was the time of year. But when I went to it, it it was, um, everybody was at least, uh, you know, Fifty or older, and probably much older than that. There weren't very many. There weren't very many young people. Only young people were the musicians.
0: Uh, I'm sorry. 50, over fifty is not.
1: Old. <laughs> <laughs> let me clarify that. For, yeah. Well, um, for the record. Yeah, yeah. In my let early the, days, let the record show. In my early days, it showed more, more diversity as yeah. far as age, but now it tends to be um, people that were that. Grew up during the dictatorship and know what the yeah. dicta- you know the, uh, what it was like with franco you know, regime yeah, and, yeah. Uh, the young people today are some of them are unaware of how different it was yeah. and uh, so I do notice that that the and then the way that older people dance and the way the younger generation dance is very different uh, young younger people they have what 's called compete they 're called koyas. and and uh, they're these competitions of dance groups and uh and it 's a club and so you meet. Once or twice a week, and you practice dancing the sardana, and then on the weekends you go to these sardana competitions. But what happens is they're wearing these costumes that are kind of folkloric, and they are very rigid when they dance, and it's very precise. It's not like how you'd see it when you go and see people dancing the sardana in a traditional way. See, so the older generations like they like to dance the sardana for the enjoyment of it and and it's the meaning behind it. But the young generation they want. They want to get trophies or and and uh, and hang out with friends. It's it's le- it's less. I mean, it's still there's the the Catalan identity that's associated with it. It's more
0: of an athletic performance in a weird yeah. way. Than yeah, it's very athletic
1: it. actually. Yeah, uh, and it's interesting. I was doing. I sort of embedded myself into one uh, sort of dance group. It was sort of a, a middle class group, uh, and uh, there was one. It was very. It was one of this, you know, I was still a graduate student when I was doing it, so I made lots of mistakes, but I remember one of the the kids there, he was dancing, but when, I noticed that he was speaking Castilian to all of his colleagues, and so I immediately targeted that. I said, that's interesting, and and immediately he tried to speak Catalan, but his, it was not very good, but it was a way for him as sort of like a first-generation um, Catalan to sort of um, acquire that, that Catalan identity. He, d- he didn't have the, the language skills. I mean, you could... You could, if you spoke Catalan with him, you would know that that's not his first language.
0: But he was dancing a Catalan dance. In some ways, could maybe not master, but could be a full participant right. in that right. prior to being a full participant right. in the language yeah. group. So. Yeah. so it's it's, uh, uh, and and still uh, very popular today in sort of the, the, the competition side. Is there a danger with the, the rigidity of the competition side in the sense of,
1: yeah. You know,
0: if if the if the dance becomes something that no one can put their personal inflection on, oh. might it become a relic?
1: Well, that's, yeah. it's, it is becoming what I'm describing, sort of almost like a museum piece where, uh, it, folklorism, and this happens in lots lots of European countries where they take dances, and uh, they, they wear the costumes, and then the, the choreography be- becomes uh, fixed, and 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 it's, it's a museum piece. But what's very interesting about the uh, the competition, the competition, is they have these they have they allow for this one sardana to be danced, new, with new choreography, and but the, the only rule is that they can't break their hands. That's the only thing they still have to form a circle, but the the footsteps the choreography is newly invented. Newly invented. So yeah. they, they can so that allows them to reinterpret the sardana. Yeah, and, they, yeah. Yeah. and so they can be express their and then another one, sardana that they have is called Rivesa, and it's uh, they they commissioned a sardana just for that competition. That is, it's, uh, no one's ever heard the sardana ever before. They play it, and the dancers have to know how many measures exactly each section is. But it's written in such a way that it's kind of hard to, to figure that out. And when you watch them dance it, they, 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 they're like this. And they're all counting. And they're communicating with each other. And when they think they know the right number, they spread out into that circle. And, and then if they end with the right choreography, it's clear that they mastered being able to count. And so that's also not something, that's not a traditional sardana. Yeah. But it's, it's there to maintain that skill that, yeah. that people think are, is important about the sardana, the fact that you, you have to count the number of measures.
0: Yeah. Where do you see your research headed? And I, I say that in the broadest sense. We're talking about this line of research tonight, but I know I've kind of put you in a straitjacket to talk about one line of research because you've got so many things yeah. going. Where, where is your research headed in the future?
1: Well, I, I mean, I do a lot of research within clubs, dance clubs around the world. And most of my research has been in Spain. But uh, I think one of the things where I'm going to start branching off is is um, uh, heavy metal festivals in in the, the Nordic region of, of Europe. And so, so I'll continue to do uh, Stuff that's related to dance and dance clubs, but I think I'm going to start moving into um, sort of because it's, it's very interesting when when you're in Finland, uh, the number the, the the number of Finnish heavy metal bands per capita is is it's a very strange number, and, and then, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's, and and the and the national character of Finnish people should not match the metal character, but. But, uh, and maybe it's quite the opposite in some ways. Well, no, I, it's the it's, it's opp. You know, when I've, when I've studied metal in sort of like Central Europe, it was very different and actually quite scary. But when, I, when I'm in Finland, it's actually a uh, very open. Congenial and, and kind congenial of environment, environment, yeah. Huh. So I think I'll, I, but I'll stu- continue to do work uh, as far as dance music and, and uh, dance clubs.
0: So between your research, which is in dance clubs and so forth, and mm-hmm. at least some of your passion slash business, which involves being a DJ in right. dance clubs. What, how many nights a year are you in a dance club? <laughs> before I came to Oklahoma, quite frequently. But am uh, Are you suggesting we don't have that many dance clubs no, in Oklahoma? No, you ever? don't actually.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so um, where I was before, I was near Atlanta, so uh, it would know, be on the week, every weekend.
0: I hope you enjoyed that, I sure did. You can find out about future OSU research on tap events and attend them live. Just follow us on Facebook or go to the research.okstate.edu website. And you can view our archived installments on OSTate TV. Just go to research in the About OSU section. And that's it for this episode. I'm Dr. Kenneth Sewell. Join us next week for another Inside OSU podcast.